This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. World attempting to control central bank policies. Several renowned financial analysts have warned that political interference in central bank policies may mean our economic misses of inflation and growth targets. Gold is an international currency that can't be issued or controlled by governments. If you don't have the only hard currency that has outlasted every politician and every failed idea of governments for centuries, you need to speak to Goldline right now and learn how easy it is to add gold to your portfolio or IRA. Now is the time to diversify your financial portfolio by adding gold. Call 1-800-913-GOLD. Buying real gold is easy and fast at Goldline. And you're going to be happy that you finally made the call. 1-800-913-4653. Goldline also offers price protection against short-term market fluctuations on qualifying purchases. So buy with confidence. Read Goldline's important risk information and find out if buying gold is right for you. Call Goldline. 1-800-913-4653. And go for Mike Slater in 3, 2, 1... You're listening to Mike Slater, part of the next generation of talk radio, only on the Blaze Radio Network. It's Slater Crusaders, America's the greatest country in the world. Thank you for being here. Happy Saturday. Thanks for listening to the Blaze Radio. Really appreciate it. So back in uh, 2011, August 6th, 2011, there was a helicopter crash in Afghanistan and 17 Navy SEALs were killed. Uh, among among other Americans too, but 17 Navy SEALs were killed in that crash. One of those SEALs was Aaron Vaughn. His mom and dad, an entire family, have gone on from that moment to do incredible things. They've started a, a camp for, for military kids. Karen recently spoke at the Republican National Convention. You'll remember her speech there. And she just released a book called World Changer, a mother's story and my favorite person karen vaughn is with us right now karen how are you i am so good it's so wonderful to be with you mike karen you're amazing what like what is your deal how how yeah like like, look at all the things you and (laughs) billy are doing it's insane you know i I tell you all we've done mike is just put one foot in front of the other and tried to just walk wherever god led us over these past five and a half years you know it's been a remarkable journey and and I just feel very honored that, you know, in Aaron's death, his life has been shared so fervently and so, you know, just so powerfully. God's given us so many incredible opportunities to to just let his legacy shine across this nation. So and it's you, been an extraordinary journey. And you have sure. taken those opportunities and knocked every single one of them out of the park. Uh, and this book is no different. So this, um, I, I can't wait to read this because... Uh, so, you know, I, I'm a new dad. So Jack is now seven yeah. and a half months. Uh, so oh. it's amazing. And th- oh, I, I, I know. this book, like, I can't wait to read it and have my wife read it. And because we want to raise uh, Jack to be like your son in, in many oh. ways. So what's the motivation behind your book here? So thank you so much for that. that and, and you will. I have no doubt you will raise a world changer. No doubt in my mind. But, you know, like I, after Aaron died, I started collecting all of the stories that I could remember about him because I wanted to be able to share them with his children and mm-hmm. in full color detail. I didn't want to forget anything. And so I started jotting them all down and, and thinking about writing a book. But it wasn't until I spoke to a couple groups of moms in South Florida that I knew exactly what I was going to do with those stories. And, and, Mike, what happened is when I talked to them, I realized that the principles we instilled in our children were not normal principles in today's society. They were kind of stunned at some of the things that I talked about. 
And so I just was like, wow, we're going to, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to fill it with teachable moments and try to kind of recapture America through the home because I believe that's the only way anything's really going to be different, right, is when we get the homes adjusted and, and understand that we are supposed to be trying to raise children who will go out and change their world and leave legacies. We want legacy-leaving kids. All of us want that. But a lot of people don't have the tools necessary to do that, and I didn't think that was so until I started talking to these moms and realized that, wow, there's been a good generation and a half that's gone by now with a lot of these very basic values missing. Was what was that your goal when you started on this journey of parenting or did you learn it as you went along and kind of stumble into it in ways? I totally stumbled into it. It was Billy's goal. I will say that it was always <laughs> Billy's goal. <Yeah. laughs> and I was a city girl. He was a country boy, you know, who grew up on a farm and we raised our kids on a cattle farm. And, you know, I talk about it in the book that it's, it was just so difficult for me, exasperating, honestly, to watch Billy treat Aaron like a young man instead of like an a baby. And I struggled against it. I, I say in the book, I tell this story that I struggled against it every way I knew how. I mean, I dressed him in white head to toe and even entered him in a beauty review. You know, <laughs> he would not be happy that you shared that. Re- that, that, <laughs> he, that he he be, I, I'm praying for forgiveness for him in heaven because I put a picture of him crowned as king of the choice. <laughs> <in the book. laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> But yeah, you know, but Billy always had, he always had the heart to create a man who would change the world. And, and he just so many examples. And I put them all in the book of the things I had to let Billy do with Aaron that literally made my skin crawl, you know, as a mom and as the person who felt like I just needed to protect these little things given to me. And, but we do need to understand as moms that men have a, a such an irreplaceable role in our son's lives and in our daughter's lives, of course, but we've got to let go and let our men, let our boys become men. And that's that's the only way to let that happen is for moms to back off and allow these experiences to take place so these little boys know exactly what they're capable of when they grow up into big men. Very wild at heart of you, and that's uh, that's perfect. Why... What, 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 how did Billy do that? Can you give us some examples? And as you're telling this, I just found the picture uh, with the caption, Tara and Aaron <laughs> out, crowned king and queen of the Troy Tiny Tot Beauty Review. <laughs> no, he's probably like shaking his fist at me right now. Oh, from yeah. him. <laughs> Gosh, that's funny. So, you, as I'm, yeah, so as I'm looking at this picture, tell the story of him being, uh, uh, you know, it, becoming a Navy SEAL as a young boy. Yeah, oh, yeah, so by the time he was eight, he told anyone who would listen to him that he was going to be a Navy SEAL when he grew up. He, that, he, You know, a conversation with his dad had planted that dream in his heart, and he knew it was like God had just instilled this purpose in his life. So it kept him out of trouble. It kept him out of mischief. It kept him out of everything because he had such a goal-oriented life to do something so fantastic, and he didn't want anything to interrupt his dreams. But by the time he was a senior in high school, he had obliterated uh, the anterior cruciate ligament in his left knee, not once, but twice. Had it repaired the first time, second time, the doctor came out and said, there's too much damage in the knee. I can't fix it. And Aaron's going to spend the rest of his life somewhat handicapped, and he'll never be able to do anything physical again without the use of a special brace. But, you know, Aaron resigned himself to that, thought it was his reality, went ahead and went to college, got a great career lined up in front of him, and then came 9-11, Mike, and something shifted in him on that morning and continued shifting. And a few months later, he came home and told us that he had stopped by the neighbor recruiter's office on the way home from work and joined the SEAL Challenge program. And we all know the rest of the story. He not only made it, he made it with flying colors, just just a brilliant ascension into 
the tip of the tip of the spear, making it all the way to SEAL Team 6. He was he was committed, and he never took for granted one day that God had allowed him to do that. Every time we talked about it, his eyes would just almost well with tears talking about how honored he felt that God had allowed him to fulfill that dream and live that life. Uh, the book, we're not done talking, Karen. I got tons more questions for you. But the book is called World okay. Changer, A Mother's Story, Karen Vaughn. Go buy it right now. World Changer, Karen Vaughn. Um, so after the election, we um, trying to talk on the show about different aspects of how Trump won and all that. And uh, this is not my theory, but I've really latched on to learning more about the the great divide in our country. And I don't think it's necessarily progressive, conservative or anything like that. I think it's uh, city versus country. So I'm I'm really interested to hear a little more of of you growing up in the city and and Billy growing up in the country and and then obviously raising your kids in the country. Like what what life lessons do you get by being a country boy growing up? Well, you know what you you just that's a really good question. No one's ever asked me that. I'm gonna have to think. But you know, the first thing that comes to my mind is just that you get in touch with the creation of the Creator, That's it. and it changes you. You know, you, you look out every day across fields, and, and you see the beauty of what God put in front of you, and you see that He gave you this land. He gave you this place to grow up, and I say in the book, Aaron and Tara, they and, and even Anna, when she got a little bit older, they explored every ridge on that farm, and, and they, they just seized what they had in front of them. I think that's a real difference. You know, girl, I say I grew up in the city. In all honesty, there was a cornfield behind me, but I went to the city school. <laughs> so picture myself as a city girl, like not yep. New York. Don't think New York. Think Union City versus Troy. I was a, you were, as a, you were in the you were in <laughs> town. You weren't in the country. You were in I town. Was in town. Yeah, that's big exactly difference. right. We had we you know we were we had closer access to the grocery store. Yeah, the Piggly Wiggly <laughs> but, was only a couple blocks away, not a twenty minute drive. Exactly. Right. It was, Exactly. That was the difference. But yeah, you know, and just another thing that happens when you grow up in the country like that on a farm is you just get to experience risk. I I tell the story in the book about the time that Billy told Aaron when he was about 10 years old, 80 pounds soaking wet, that we had this cow that tormented our children. They named her White Cow, which you can only imagine why, right? But every time they'd walk out the door, she would snarl and snort at them and run them back in the house. Like they were afraid to play in the yard because of White Cow. So one day we're corralling cattle, and Billy says to Aaron, son, I want you to stand in the gap and and corral the cattle. And if if White Cow charges you, all you've got to do is, is jerk your fist back and punch her in the nose, and she will bow down to you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> you want him to do what? And he's like, just trust me, Karen. So I did, and sure enough, White Cow charged him. Like I said, he was about 10, and he was as scrawny as a kid could be. He jerked that fist back in nerve-wracking defiance and punched that heifer square in the nose. And do you know what? White Cow submitted for the first time in the history of her life as the bovine dictator of her farm. <laughs> and that, that's one of those moments, you know, where you, where you just realize when you're growing up on a farm, you have to accept challenges. You are forced to overcome real-life challenges, real-life threats, and learn what you're made of, what you can actually do. Karen, there are schools. There's schools in San Diego that won't let kids play tag on the playground. Oh. Right? I mean, listen to what you just described versus what's going on now. Like, we can't play tag because it involves hitting and... Or two, or two, a piece of bread into the shape of a gun. Yeah. Little boys were created to play with guns and swords. That's what, golly, why are we trying to drive that drive masculinity out of our society? Oh. Um, Karen, can you stick around for a few more minutes? We've got to take a break. Sure. Can you hang sure. out? All right. Karen Vaughn, uh, the book is uh, 
world changer, a mother story, you should uh, you should buy it. World changer, a mother's story. Also, also, Karen's amazing. What she's like? Oh, geez, I haven't really thought of that before. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's important to live in the country because you're in touch with the creation of your creator. And it's like that's the that's the best answer I could possibly think. One eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three. Mike Slater show on the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on the Blaze Radio Network. Are you worried about your mom or dad living alone in their house? Hi, I'm Joan London. Listen, I know how difficult it is to find senior care for someone you love. That's why I recommend a free service called A Place for Mom. They are the nation's largest senior living referral service. Call A Place for Mom today. To receive free information on senior living communities in your area, call A Place for Mom at 1-800-803-6951. So Karen Vaughn is here, uh, mom of Aaron Vaughn, Navy SEAL who was killed in uh, 2011, so geez, uh, six years ago, uh, in Afghanistan. She's amazing. She has a new book called World Changer, A Mother's Story. Go buy it. Karen, you're awesome. Thank you for being here. Oh, and there's a foreword by, by Sean Hannity, which is pretty cool. Um, so Karen, as I said, new dad, seven and a half months, little Jack. And what's fun about being new parents is as much chaos as there is in the world, and it's absurd, we, my wife and I, we have control over our home and and we can set the tone of our house. So I'm just curious, what was the tone of the Vaughn house growing up? Like what were some principles that you guys made sure to have in your home? You know what, Mike, I'm so glad you asked that question because my oldest daughter, Tara, and I wrote the study guide together, and she shared a couple principles. We worked these things out together, but some of this stuff was her material, and it was brilliant. And I feel like she had a better insight of what happened in our home than I did, if that makes sense. Sure. Um, and so together, we, we had some great ideas. And one thing, just two things real quick that come to mind immediately is build a tribe around your family. When you when you decide what the, what the life uh, what the life verse or the life, uh, what am I trying to say? Like the commitment that you make in your family, who you're going to be, you and, you know, you and your wife, you should sit down and say that, you know, just like when you're starting a business, you say, what is our mission statement, right? Every home should have a mission statement. Who, what do we want to look like when our kids are grown? What do we want them to look like? And then take the backward steps of figuring out how to get from point A to point B when they're adults, right? Yep. 
And so one thing that she, one thing we talked about was building this tribe around you of a, of a community that are like-minded people. It's the most important thing you can ever do. It will help with breaking down the resistance you have in parenting the way you know you're supposed to parent. And then the other way, the other thing that we talked about that was so, so positive to me and such a strong lesson is that we should not see discipline as the same thing as punishment. And this is the point she made, and it was brilliant, is that discipline is not, look, when, when you've got a kid and you lay out the rules of your house very well, right, what happens when the child breaks the rule is not between you and your child. It's between the rules and the rule breaker. Does that make sense? And as soon as you put that in its proper perspective and see discipline like that, because it'll change everything fundamentally for you as you're raising your child. Because, see, we're just living in a society where discipline seems to have this ugly connotation, but the problem is, is we're all born horrible, little, (laughs) selfish beasts, right? You know it. I mean, as precious as they are, right? (laughs) He's a horrible little selfish thing, right? And and given left to ourselves, Mike, we will grow up to be horrible, Mm. selfish human beings big people, right? And so discipline is the only thing that stands between the child becoming what they should become and and having a wrecked life. And we see it all around us, this lack of discipline in this generation. My mom says it best. She says, Dr. Spock screwed us all. And I think she's right. (laughs) You know, this... Let, the, let these kids let these kids just magically become something wonderful all on their own. But you didn't even learn to walk, except for the fact that somebody started picking your hands up and, and one parent stood on one side and said, come, yeah. they trained you to walk, right? We don't even take steps without training. So what is it that makes us think that our children are just going to automatically become wonderful adults when we, don't, when we don't take an active role in participating in making them become wonderful adults, showing them the roadmap? And remember... That child that, we, that child that we're raising is going to be someone's spouse one day. Would it be the kind of spouse you'd want to be married to? It's going to be somebody's boss one day or somebody's employee. Is it going to be the employee or the, or the boss that you would want to work for or mm-hmm. under? These are the things we need to think about when we're raising kids. You know, it's not just about making your kid happy. Kids love structure. They love discipline. Yes. I know that was way too long. No, it's, I, 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 no pre- preach. Just keep, keep it going. I love it's it. It's critical. Um, what, can you give us an example? Because I love the rule versus rule break. Like, can you go through that part again and give us an example of that? Like you said, it's... Yeah, look. Okay, so one thing that comes to my mind is we gave, we gave Aaron a BB gun for like his seventh or eighth birthday. Um, shame on us or not, we, we did because we felt like it could handle it. His father told him it was a pump action, Red Rider. You know those things. Yep. And, and so his father said never pump it more than twice. So Aaron, you know, Aaron pumps it more than twice, pumps it about six times, promptly trips and shoots his cousin Courtney in the rear end as she's climbing up. Yes, I know you know Courtney. You know, he comes running to the house, you know, screaming like he doesn't he doesn't check on her. He comes running to defend himself before he you know, before Courtney can get to the house to tell us. But of course, so now it was, look, Aaron, this isn't, we have no choice but to take this gun away from you. You knew the rules. You broke the rules. These were the consequences of breaking the rules. So this is between you and the rules, not between us. We're not punishing you. We are enforcing the rules in our house. So now you lose the BB gun. It sounds so simple, Mike, but yes. so many people do not implement that basic practice when they're raising their children. Because, but, but what about, but mom, but mom, but mom, you're not fair. I hate you. Why did you do this? You're ruining my life. That's exactly when you say, I've done nothing. You broke the rules. You knew what the rules were. I've done nothing to you. And and let me just, and you, this is between you, the rules, and the rule breaker, not between me and you. Now I have to implement what you knew would happen if you broke the rules. 
this isn't about me and you or me being unfair to you. This is about life and understanding that life carries responsibility. And you can train them in that from the time they're two years old and want to grab the remote. And you say, no, that's, yeah. that's an adult toy, not a kid toy. Yeah. You know, and you just train and you're persistent and you're consistent with this discipline. And I promise you, it raises strong, powerful, self-dependent, independent kids that become amazing adults. They're very simple principles. Job well done, Mom. You're awesome. I love you. Give my best to Billy, the whole family. I love you, too. We'll talk my, again. Can I just share my website real quick? Oh, my, of course, of course, of course. It's just, it's just officialkarenvaughn.com. It's really easy, and that's V-A-U-G-H-N, officialkarenvaughn.com. You can, of course, pick it up on Amazon, but the audio and, uh, and uh, the hard copy and signed copies are available on the website. Oh, good. Okay, Official Karen. K-A-R-E-N-V-A-U-G-H-N.com. Official Karen Vaughn.com. All right, Karen, talk to you soon. Thank you, ma'am. Thanks, Have a wonderful day. How great is she? She's my favorite. Love her so much. Love Karen. Love their family. All right, I have the the opposite of that. Can can we do a story next about the opposite of what you just heard from Karen Vaughn? Is that that fun? Uh, This is what happens when you have societies that don't do all the things you just heard. in the Vaughn family. Slater Radio on Twitter, 1-888-933-93. Mike Slater Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Spread the word. This is Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you for being here. 1-888-933-93. Let's talk about the opposite of, uh, of everything that Karen Vaughn just talked about. See what happens when we don't raise kids like, like she did. Uh, there are five high schools in Baltimore and a middle school. So there's six schools. Just brace yourself here. Hold, let me. I want to slow this down. I want to slow this down. I want to make sure everyone gets this. Everyone's paying attention. Everyone's everyone's with me. This chair is getting really bad, by the way. Like it's worse. It's like people have said it's bad, but now it's 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 past my line. It's gone too far. Yeah, we definitely have to get that. Does Miles have it? Can we get Miles? Hey, Miles, can you get the W? Oh, Miles, is, I thought he was here. Is he not here today? Oh, like the. Is he going to be one of the new killer whales? Because they're not they're not using actual killer whales anymore. I haven't even heard that. They're getting rid of the killer whales, replacing them with um, people in costumes. Okay. Well, we wish I wish him I wish him luck. Yeah, that's good. Uh, all right. So there are five Baltimore high schools and a middle school that do not have a single student who is proficient in the state math or English tests. Are you with me? So the test, the, the state tests, they, they rank the kids. So you take a test and then you're, you get a grade one to five, a four or a five on the test is considered proficient. I want to be clear, not oh, like a perfect score. A four is proficient. That's like good enough. One, two or three. You're not there yet. At Frederick Douglass High School, 
which Frederick Douglass would be ashamed at. 185 students took the test. 89% of them got the lowest score. 89% got a one. One student got a three. Only one out of 185 kids got a three, which is not proficient. No one got a four or a five. Zero people. Zero kids. At six schools. What? I don't even. What do you what do you do, what do you do with that? Oh, maybe the tests are really hard this year. No, no. So my my favorite part of the story here is that the the Fox affiliate in uh, Baltimore that did this investigation, the uh, uh, they reached out to the executive director of teaching and learning for Baltimore City Schools, and this person said that. Some students can be considered proficient even if they did not score a four or five on the test. So they printed that quote and then the Baltimore City School Administration came back and said, yeah, that person was wrong. You, you do need a four or five on the test to be considered proficient and no student scored that out of six schools. Now, the Fox affiliate shared that fact in the first paragraph of their story, and then they go right to a student. They cut right to a student. Quote, we sat down with a teen who attends one of these schools and has overcome incredible challenges to find success. Uh, This kid grew up in West Baltimore. He was three months old when his father was shot to death. Before his 18th birthday, he would lose two uncles and a classmate, all gunned down on the streets of Baltimore. I've lost a lot of people, so I'm used to it. It hurts. I just choose not to show it. I just keep it in. You just have to live on and keep going on every day. You have to do it somehow. Now this student is graduating, but he did not also not score. He did not score proficient on math or English and somehow he's still graduating. So there's not, listen, I know nothing about this kid or his family, right? I just know what two paragraphs that are right. But we've seen this a billion times. There's a lot of factors going in here. The fear, his entire life, growing up in fear. My dad was shot. Am I going to get shot? My friends are shot. My uncles are shot. Am I going to die today? Growing up with no dad. No hope. What are you, what are you hoping in? You're stuck. Everyone's stuck there, it seems. No way to express himself, right? There he talks about keeping it in. Just constant anxiety and defensiveness. Never being able to trust anyone. No respect for authority, obviously. So why study? Learn math. I'm going to learn math. What do you... These kids are trying to survive. These are failed cities. Failed cities. Failed systems. Broken families. We are, we are failing our kids in unprecedented ways. How many facts about poverty and fatherlessness do we need to share here? I don't think anymore. I think you get it. So there's a lot of reasons that, you know, things that bring, that lead to this crime, et cetera, et cetera. But then you have fatherlessness and your kids growing up in this, in this situation. And then you drop them off at a school. And it's like, well, what do you want the school to do? 
Now, the system of the school, they're not helping because now you got this whole restorative justice thing. Maybe we can talk more about this next week. But let, let me just quote this one. This is uh, up in Sacramento. This is uh, a fourth grade teacher. I've a f- fourth grade teacher. I've been punched and kicked and spit on and called every cuss word you could possibly think of. Now, she's also a parent. My second graders class is the most dysfunctional classroom I've ever witnessed with my own two eyes. I've never even heard of classrooms like like this one, Miss Tina's or Miss Woods. She has maybe six extreme behavior students in one class. I've seen them punch her. I've seen them walk around the halls. I've seen her try to read to the class and it took her an hour and a half to read two pages. She says, many of us often go home in tears. Please don't give us more staff development on racism or how to deescalate a student altercation. We teachers feel as if we are drowning. She talked about one day there was a 16 year old body slammed uh, a teacher who was trying to break up a fight. Dude, I could buy, could buy some, picks him up, throws him on the ground, starts punching him. In that same fight, an assistant, the assistant principal was hospitalized because the student was punching him in the neck. Like what? So here, here's the rub to this story. And this is why I can bring it back to, to Karen here with her uh, talk about discipline, which most parents don't do. Uh, and schools don't do anymore, right? I bet we had a million people listen now who can talk about how the principal would discipline, teachers would discipline. Listen, I bet there's people listening now who can call in and tell stories of a teacher who would leave the room and say, uh, I'm going to be back in a couple minutes, read your books, would leave the room and no one dare do anything but read the book. And if she walked back and someone wasn't reading the book, then there was discipline. There was, you got in trouble. Now, like getting the class to read a book, what are you, what are you out of your mind? It's getting the students to not punch the teacher. And even then, because of restorative justice, there's no discipline. There's no punishments because of that. So that this uh, teacher says, there are those who believe that by suspending kids, We are building a pipeline to prison. Have you heard of this school, the prison pipeline? It's absurd. She says, I think that by not suspending them, we are. I think by telling these kids, you don't have to be on time for anything or behave the right way or anything. You can just assault somebody and we're going to let you come back here. I think that's what sends them off to prison eventually. And obviously that's true. So this is, this is, we have crime where kids are scared, fathers killed, fathers not around, no discipline, throw them in a school system where kids were never disciplined in the first place. So they're not going to behave at school. So then the schools have just caved into that and, and stopped doing any disciplining themselves and now have just restorative justice where we talk to the kid and then bring them right back in the classroom where they just continue to punch the teachers. And then we're shocked. I hope no one was shocked that six schools in Baltimore, not a single student is proficient in math or English. Not a single one. How can that be? 
maybe, maybe there'd be a situation where, like, I would be, I think it would be a disaster if half the kids in a school weren't proficient, right? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be enough to have a news story about, like, half the kids can't read or write at grade level. Half the kids aren't proficient. That's a, a terrible tragedy. I could do, give the same spiel I just gave if half the kids weren't proficient. No kids are proficient? None of them? And in this one school, 89% of them got a one, the lowest score. Not even close. We desperately need uh, lessons like, uh, like the ones in Karen Vaughn's book. World Changer, A Mother's Story. Go buy it. Karen Vaughn, official Karen Vaughn, V-A-U-G-H-N, official Karen Vaughn.com, or you can pick it up on Amazon, obviously. 1-888-933-93. Mike Slater Show on The Blaze. Radio Network, spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater on The Blaze Radio Network. Mike Slater. Slater Crusaders. Thanks for being here. Just uh, the show flew by today. I'm really, really glad you're here. If you missed any of it, of course, you can go to theblaze.com slash radio. Check it all out. So there's a school in Long Island that's making a student sign a contract saying that they will no longer change their gender anymore. This person has changed it twice already. Born, born a girl, then as a sophomore, wanted to, the school to recognize her as a boy. And everyone went along, went by her new boy name, changed in the nurse's office and all that, whatever. Then this year, she decided, I guess senior year, decided to go back to being a girl. And the school said, fine, but you can't keep doing this. So sign this contract that says you're a girl now that we're done. So, this, so now obviously she's upset. Uh, she said, they should have supported me in my decision either way. A student should, fe- should feel safe to figure their identity out no matter how many times they change who they are. All right, so this is, I, I just said that you do what you want with it, but this is all going to continue to spiral out of control. I have a similar story here just about direction, I think, and, and just what happens when we don't do what we know is true and what we know is right and what is time-tested. So Harvard just released a big study, 2,000 uh, kids, I guess 18 to 25, 2,000 young adults, about their romantic and sexual experiences. And the results of the study proved, and this is not my analysis, this is their analysis, that hookup culture, right? So this hookup culture that has been pushed as normal, not only normal, but as important, right? An important way to express yourself and find yourself, right? Be free and explore your sexual identity and and uh, have many partners and learn about yourself. And all, right? That's damaging. It destroys, among other things, romantic intimacy. This is, again, this is Harvard University. This is not, um, not some church coming to this conclusion. This is Harvard came to this. Let me quote from the researcher. He said, one of the damaging consequences uh, is we are failing miserably to prepare young people for romantic love. Probably the most important thing they will do in life. And the second is that there are very high rates of misogyny and sexual harassment. 
So I can go through those real quick here. Um, the first thing is the fact that we're failing miserably to prepare young people for romantic love is because hookup culture says do that. Just hook up. Right? There's no concept of commitment, obviously. There's no concept of connection or unconditional love or courting, serving. None of that. So why, why would kids have those skill sets? They haven't been raised or trained to have those skill sets. And then the second point about misogyny, the study says, this is not me, the study says that pornography teaches boys as young as eight that women enjoy domination and degradation. So these guys grow up and do just that and it just destroys everything. I last week we talked about James Dean, the world's most famous male porn star, and he's like, oh, it was just, he's having a crisis of conscience about what he's been doing for the last couple of decades of his life. Um, and he's seen over time how damaging it is. This is the, the number one male porn star is like, oh, gee, this is really harmful for kids. And he's seen the effect of it as kids who've grown up in this culture are now old enough uh, to be in these relationships. And he's like, oh, it's, we've, I've totally poisoned them. That's, that's what he's saying. So we go in a million different directions, but I got to run here. Um, you know, just to tie it into Karen here talking about discipline and how the old traditional principles work. They're true. They're right. And we have all this new age, modern philosophy that we think so trendy and cool. And it's just wrong. It's just, it's just people trying to make stuff up to sound important. And though some people mean well, absolutely. But some people are just looking to, I don't want to say make a buck, but like they got, we got to find something new. We're obsessed with the new. Why? We know what works in so many aspects of, of life. We know what's right. And every once in a while, you get a study from even a place like Harvard that proves what we've always known to be true. Be confident in that. Be confident in what you know is true. Slater Crusaders, I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. We'll see you next Saturday. Mike Slater Show, The Blaze, Radio Network, spread the word. You're listening to Mike Slater. Part of the next generation of talk radio. On The Blaze Radio Network.